Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. You doing well, church? You doing good? I tell you, there's a lot of things that God is up to in the lives of our church. And I pray you're experiencing that in your life as well. I really believe that this is a year where we're just gonna continue to see the miraculous power of God exponentially outworked in our church and in your life. And I pray you're expectant in that way. Um, We've been in a series which uh, over the last couple of weeks called The Promised Life. We've been looking at what it means to get a promise from God. And I, and I um, said last week, you know, really there's, there's, there's nothing like getting a promise from God. It is so encouraging. It just builds your faith. You know, as Dan and Nat were sharing just then, you know, it carried them through the toughest season of their life. That is what a promise of God does. It is incredible. And our prayer and our heart is that every one of us would have a promise from God. And you can, you can have a promise from God. You know, last week, uh, just to recap quickly, we talked about the difference between a Logos and Rhema. And we talked about how there are two Greek words that are translated into our New Testament Bibles to the word Word. And Logos uh, refers to the written Word of God or the full canon of Scripture, where the Rhema, that refers to a word that God gives an individual that speaks into the specific situation or life. And, uh, and the Rhema word from God is really a promise from God. And then we talked about how to get a promise from God, how to get a rhema word. We said you can seek after one. If you seek after one with an open heart, you can find one. And we also said that you can catch a rhema word from God. And that comes by keeping your heart soft and open to receive so that when God speaks, you don't miss it. And today I want to dive a little bit further into this because there's a few things that I think are important for us to understand that we haven't covered already regarding a promise from God. Um, so so um, I thought last week, seeing as we talked about getting a promise from God, I thought it would be wise to spend a few minutes talking about how do you know if what you've heard is actually a promise from God? Um, because who knows, sometimes you receive a, that rhema word or that rhema word and you will know, you just know that you know that God's spoken to you. It just resonates with your spirit. It just, you just know that it's God and there's such a certainty and clarity about it. But there's other times, and I've experienced this many times, and I'm, I'm sure you have as well, where, where you, you receive a word, but there's a little bit of like, did, did I hear that correctly? Is that, was that really from God or was that just something that I made up? Was it really a word from God? And there's a genuine desire to wanna know that because you don't wanna miss it. You wanna make sure you, that you, you receive it. And so sometimes it's like, well, how, how, how do I know if it's a word from God? Well, there are some ways that you can test it. You can test whether what you heard is a rhema word or a rhema word. So I wanna give you six ways that you can test if you've heard, if what you've heard from God is a rhema word. Uh, the first way is you can test it uh, by Scripture. You can compare it to Scripture. It's important to know God will never give you a rhema word that is in contradiction to what it says in His Word, in His Bible. He'll never ask you to do something that's opposed to His character. So if the Word you've received is encouraging you to do something that may be immoral, that may hurt somebody else, that is not in line with the character of God, then that's probably a good red flag that it's not a rhema word from God. So it will always 
uh, complement Scripture or align with Scripture or never contradict the Word of God or God's character. Uh, the second test you can uh, use to see if what you heard was a rhema word is prayer. If you've received a word but you're not quite sure, well, keep praying about it. Ask the Holy Spirit, uh, can you give me a little bit more clarity? Can you confirm this or can you deny it? I, I just, I really wanna know, is this a word from you, God? And if while you're praying over it, you feel a sense of peace, if you feel a sense of excitement, it's resonating even more in your spirit, that's a good thing. But if you're praying over it and you feel a sense of unease, unrest, if it's just, you know, even if you're praying over it and the desire to keep pursuing it starts to fade away, well, that may be a sign that it's not a rhema word. The third test that you can put to a rhema word is counsel. Is counsel. If, it, if you're unsure, something really wise to do, especially if um, acting on that rhema word may impact another person's life or another group of people, is to seek some wise counsel about it. Reach out to, to a, a, a friend or a, uh, someone who you know is a mature believer. It might be a pastor, it might be a connect group leader, maybe your spouse, maybe a, a close friend, but someone you trust who has, that is mature in their faith and that can maybe even say no to you. Right? <laughs> like, but reach out to somebody and share, share that word with them. Be wise about how you, who you choose that is, but as you share that word with them, ask them, how does that resonate in your spirit? If they, if they sort of reply and say, no, that feels good to me, then, you know, and, and I have peace about that, that's a good sign. But if they're like, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, maybe you should pray about it a little bit longer. You know, I feel a little bit like maybe that might not be from God or feel a bit uncomfortable. Well, you know, you wanna receive that as well. Now, we're all humans here, we're not God. And so sometimes we can get that wrong too. So you might share it with someone and they say, no, that's not from God, and it, and it could be. Or they might say, no, that, that, that is from God, but it might not be. So you've got to understand this. We're still fallible beings. We're not, we don't get it perfect all the time. But in that scenario, what I encourage you to do is, is not just rest it on that person's opinion, but ask them to pray about it too. Say, hey, would you continue to keep praying about this with me? Maybe pray about it over the next week and, and see if God gives you some confirmation or a word or, or says something to you, why you continue to pray about it as well. So the third test is counsel. The fourth test you can uh, put to see if what I heard was a rhema word is the test of fruit. The test of fruit. Uh, this is the test to ask, if I act on what I've heard, will it produce positive fruit in my life or positive spiritual fruit in my life, like love, joy, peace, you know, uh, repentance, faith, or will it produce non-spiritual fruit? Like, could it produce anxiety or fear or, um, you know, confusion? Essentially, you're asking the question, will it impact my life or potentially others in a way that's glorifying to God? If not, then that might be a sign that it's not a rhema word from God. Now, the fifth test is the test of Motivation, motivation. Test can, test to ask, this tests, man, let me just untie my tongue for a moment. This test asks, there we go, if the, the, the motivation behind that word is one that is aligned with the heart of God. Is it, is it, a, is it motivated by a kingdom principle? Is it motivated by a selfless act to wanna serve God? Or is it motivated by, uh, you know, wanting personal validation or wanting something that's, let, let's say, is it motivated by the kingdom or is it motivated by flesh? 
That's really what we're asking in that moment. And it's good to test it for that because a true Rima word will always be connected to a, a pure and selfless motive, all right? And the sixth six test is the test of clarity, clarity. A, a Rima word from God will, will not be vague. It will not be vague in its prediction or prescription. I mean, whenever something's unclear, that creates a sense of unrest. And God's words don't do that. His words will be, be clear. It may not be the whole picture, but it'll be clear. It'll have clarity with it. It'll breed confidence into your situation. If it doesn't, well, then you might wanna be, just be a little slower to act and just pray about it a bit more and seek more clarity and confirmation. So, so if you're unsure if what you've heard if you're like, I'm not sure, I, I think it might be a promise from God, I think it might be a rainbow word from God, well, here's some tests that you can put to it that may help you get a little bit more clarity and revelation about it. So let me say two more things about that. First of all, don't feel bad for testing a word from God because His Word will always stand up to any scrutiny. If it's a true rhema word from God, it will always stand up to any scrutiny. And please don't think that testing a word of God means you'll disappoint God because it's a sign of a lack of faith. Because God's not gonna think that at all. It's not a lack of faith. God will say, no, thank you. Thank you for not being reckless. Thank you for using wisdom. Thank you for not being foolish with my word. Thank you for honouring that because I see your genuine heart is to really know, hey, I really wanna know, is this a word from you, God? Because if it is, then I wanna hold on to that. But if it's not, I don't, you know, I don't, I wanna disregard it. Right. So you can test it. Now, before we move on, there is another way that you can test a rhema word from God. And uh, one I haven't mentioned, it's a little bit different. And it's what is called putting out a fleece. Putting out a fleece. So some of you may have heard that, some of you may not have before. But it comes from a story in Judges chapter six, where Gideon uh, seeks to test a word that he's received from God. So in Judges chapter six, God told Gideon that he would have victory over the Midianites. Right? But Gideon wasn't sure, he, well, he wanted to be sure, did I really hear that? Did you really say, God, that we'd have victory over the Midianites? And so Gideon, who, he, he just really wants to know before he acts. And so he, he says to God, God, would you give me a sign to confirm what you've said? And so he says, here's what I'll do. I'm gonna lay out this fleece of wool on the threshing floor and I'm gonna ask you, God, if this is a word from you, I'm gonna ask that when I wake up tomorrow morning that the fleece would be wet with dew, but all the ground around it would be completely dry. And so he says this to God. So he wakes up the next morning and it is exactly as he asks, that the fleece is wet and the ground is dry and God confirms through that physical sign that it's a rhema word from God. But Gideon, he, he wants to be really sure, right? He wants to be really, really sure. So he asks for a second sign. And so he lay, again, he lays out the fleece the night before, but this time he changes it up. And he says, this time, can the fleece please be dry, but the ground around it wet? And he wakes up the next day and it is exactly like that. God confirms it. The fleece is dry, but the ground is wet. And so Gideon receives these two signs and they give him confidence that what he's heard was a rhema word from God. And then he moves out on that. So you can put out a fleece. Now, I'm gonna be completely honest with you I'm, and, and say that I've never seen that personally for myself work in a really clear way. Right. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't work. I'm just saying I haven't personally seen that work in a clear way in my own life, but I'm sure it has for some. But what you need to be 
if someone's encouraged you to do this, you need to use just a little bit of wisdom around it because it's very easy to manipulate it in your whatever way you want it to go. So say, for example, real easy example, let's say you've got a word from God and you want it to go a certain way. You say, God, well, hey, if it's a word from you, in the next five minutes, I wanna see a red car drive past my office window. Right? Now, the chances of that happening are probably pretty high, right? So you could manipulate it towards your way. So you've got to lose, use a lot of wisdom around that. Um, but, you know, if you feel from the Holy Spirit, I, I'm not saying you can't, but I'm just saying just use some wisdom around that. So that's another way that you can test a word from God, right? So let's say you've done that. Let's say you've received a rhema word from God. You, you just know that you know that it's a word from God. It is, it's just exploded in your spirit. It stands up to test. It's just speaking to you like, um, you know, like Dan and Nat were sharing this morning, that rhema word from God. The next question is, how can you be sure that it will actually come to pass? I've got a word. How can I be sure that it will come to pass. Well, firstly, it's important to know God's promises are not like our promises. You know, we live in a world that's full of empty promises, like brands making all sorts of promises. Hey, use our product for two minutes a day and, you know, you, you'll take 20 years off your life. You know, vote this politician in and, you know, vote me in and I'll, I'll deal with the housing crisis and interest rates. Awesome. Thanks for that. Right? So, or like, you know, for us, it was like, we'd buy a piece of furniture from a furniture company and say, hey, if you buy it today, we'll get it to you in a fortnight. And then six months later, it rocks up, right? Like, hey, I don't know what that is with furniture companies, but I'm telling you, I've never found one that tells me the truth yet. But anyway, there's a lot of things that promise a lot, but deliver little. But thankfully, God's promises are not like that. Because His promises are never empty. Instead, what comes out of His mouth always produces what it said it would. That's why in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You see, when it comes to us, you and I, saying and doing are two separate things. That's why we have phrases like, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Because we know that saying something and doing something are two separate things. Just because I say it doesn't guarantee that I'll do it. But when it comes to God, we never have to be worried about that because His words are His actions. His words are His actions. Like for example, when He created the world in the book of Genesis, He needed nothing but His Word. He just needed His Word because His Word is His action. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, he said, Let there be light, and there was light. Because his word is action. The moment he spoke it, it was immediately created. Because his word is his action. And the moment he promises it, the fulfillment of that promise, listen to this, it already exists. The moment he gives you a promise, the fulfillment of that promise already exists. It's not a might, it's not a possibility, it's a certainty because His Word creates what it says. Now you're probably going, but hang on Tony, whoa, whoa, hey, just hold up two secs. From the moment He promises that that fulfilment already exists, well, if that's the case, then how come when I receive a promise, I don't always receive the fulfilment of it right there and then? Because often isn't that the case? God will give us a promise 
And yet we don't see the fulfillment of it yet. Like I told you last week how God gave me a promise. About 12 months or so ago, me and Oster, you know, the last few years, incredibly, incredibly challenging for us. You know, Oster's health, that, that struggle that we were going through, trying to complete our home that was years overdue, transitioning to a new campus and getting hit by, you know, the COVID and, and just dealing with the challenges of life. Man, it stretched us. It stretched us in a long way. And I was at a place where I was like, I, you know, I'm struggling here. I'm weary. I don't know if I can go on. God, this is overwhelming. And then we were in a meeting in our city campus. Pastor Jane was preaching. At the end of that, we had worship and a rhema word came into my heart. God said, when you get into that new home, it'll be closing of one chapter and the beginning of a new one. And I can tell you, church, when I received that word, it was like, boom, in my spirit. Oh, I'm just so thankful. It just, it just encouraged me so much. It just, it just put faith in my heart to know this will not be the end. But I wanna tell you this. When I received that word, it hit me in the spirit, but nothing in the natural had changed. Everything was completely the same. For the next 12 or so months, we were still dealing with the same challenges, the same issues. There were times when things even got harder after receiving that promise. And so here I was, I've received a promise, but I hadn't yet seen the fulfilment of it. And it would be another 12 months or so until we did, until we finally got into our home just before Christmas, right? And so it, was, it wasn't, I didn't experience the fulfilment of that promise at the moment it was spoken. I had to wait. And some, some of you know that very well. Because some, some promises could be multiple years in the future, maybe even decades ahead that God has spoken into our heart. So the question, in, the question is, if, if God's Word is His action, how can it be that we don't always experience the fulfilment of that promise straight away? Well, the answer is because it is true that God's Word is His action, but it's equally true that everything He speaks has an appointed time. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, there's an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every matter under the sun, sorry, under heaven. So what happens is that when God speaks a promise, when He speaks His promise into our heart, a rhema word, the fulfilment of that promise already exists. The fulfilment of that promise already exists, but because God sits out of time, He's able to place it in our future in the appointed time. So the promise exists, but it's placed at the appointed time. And more often than not, that appointed time may be some distance in the future. Hence why the fulfilment of it already exists, but we can't yet see it or experience it. And that's when you need a little thing called faith. Because what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11 verse one tells us, it is the confident assurance that something we want is gonna happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. So in chapter four of the book of Hebrews, the writer's discussing the promise of salvation, what he calls entering God's rest. And he tells us that this promise, this promise of salvation, this promise of entering God's rest, it's available for every single person. But he says some people, some people unfortunately are gonna fall short of it. They're not gonna receive that promise. And then he tells us why. He says this in Hebrews 4 verse one. He says, therefore, 
since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have, sorry, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, he's saying that they had a promise. This promise was available to every single person, but they fell short of it. Why? Because they did not mix it with faith. And church, if we wanna see the promises of God fulfilled in our life, then we can't just sit back and just say, well, I hope it happens. No, we've gotta activate our faith in the promise and in God who gave us that promise. We've got to apply our faith to it. Or perhaps I could say another way. We've got to choose to trust that God's words are His actions and if He said it, He will do it at the appointed time. We've got to trust in the authority of God's Word. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus has entered Capernaum and a centurion approaches Him and he says, Jesus, I need your help. My servant, he's very sick. He's back at home. He's paralyzed. He's suffering. I need your help. And Jesus says, hey, do you want me to come to your home and pray for him? And the centurion replies to Jesus in a way which no one has ever replied to Jesus before. He says to him, Lord, I, I don't deserve you to have to come under my roof. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. Lord, I don't deserve to have to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And essentially what the, what the centurion is saying is saying, it's okay, Jesus, you don't have to come to my home. Just say it because I believe in the creative authority of your word. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus heard this, he couldn't believe it. He was like, wow. He, he, he actually turned around to everybody else there and He said to them in Matthew 8.10, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then it says in Matthew 8.13, it says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And His servant was healed at that moment. Church, somehow, somehow, this centurion had come to the revelation that God's Word can't help but to produce what it said it would. You just need to speak it because your Word is your action. It's all creative in itself. If you said it, it's already there waiting for us to experience it. That's why He said to him, I just need to rain a word from you, God. That's enough. Because I know as soon as you say it, it's already fulfilled. You see, this is the type of faith I believe that Jesus is looking for you and I to operate in. This type of faith that says, God, if you said it, you're gonna do it. The fulfilment of it is already waiting for us at the appointed time. And if we just remain close to Jesus, we will eventually meet up with it. Perhaps the keys could come. Habakkuk 2 verse 3, great verse. Pastor Josh referred to this in week one. It says, but these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single 
day. Perhaps you've received a promise. You've received a promise like I did that you haven't yet seen fulfilled. Perhaps it's been years since you received that promise and you've started to think, I, I actually don't know if this promise is ever gonna come to pass. Like I knew it was, I knew God spoke to me. I knew it in my heart. I tested it, I shared it. I, I went through that process. I knew it's a word from God, yet I haven't seen it fulfilled. And now I'm starting to wonder, will it ever happen? Well, I felt the Holy Spirit sent me today to encourage you to breathe life into that promise again, that if He said it, it's already been fulfilled. It's just waiting for the appointed time. You see, perhaps one of the most famous promises in the Bible is the promise that God gave Abraham in Genesis 12, verse seven. When He said to him, to your offspring, I will give this land. Essentially, He was saying to Abraham, you're gonna have a child. Now, this is an incredible promise for a few reasons. First of all, when Abraham received this promise, he was 75. His wife, Sarah, was 65. And their entire marriage, they had been unable to conceive. They could not have a child. And he gets this promise that to your offspring, I'm gonna give this land. He says to him, you're gonna have a child. And I can imagine Abraham receiving this promise and going, this is awesome. This is amazing. And going home and skipping dinner that night and just activating that promise, right? I can imagine just receive not that detail, but I, I can imagine, right? But if you're familiar with the story, if you're familiar with that story, you would already know that from the time he received that promise to when it was fulfilled, when Sarah actually felt pregnant was a span of 25 years. 25 years. That's a lot of months of checking that pregnancy test and that promise not being fulfilled. 25 years. And yet look at what it says about Abraham and this promise in Romans 4.18. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever He promises. Amen. Amen. It took 25 years. That's a long time. But Abraham kept believing, kept exercising his faith in the creative authority of God's Word. And eventually he saw that promise fulfilled. And do you know, do you know why you can have faith like Abraham? Do you know why that you can believe that your promise will be fulfilled too? It's because, it's because God said His Word would never return void. Sure. Well, it's actually because on top of that, he never compromised on His Word. Even when it caused Him incredible pain. God has never compromised on His Word once. Even 
when not compromising on it, caused him incredible pain and suffering. Remember back in the Garden of Eden, God put Adam and Eve in the garden. He gave them a command. He said to them, in Genesis 2 verse 16, He said, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Now, when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, and they broke that command and they sinned, who knows that God could have, if He wanted to, He could have overlooked that moment. God gave them that command, don't eat of it, you're gonna die. And then they did what He told them not to do. He could have, like sometimes, as parents, we might do. Hey, if you don't do this, this is gonna happen. And we're like, ah, it's all right. He could have overlooked it. He could have said, could have said, you know what? It's okay. I know you feel bad. We all make mistakes. It's the first time. It's all right. Let's just overlook at this time. Let's reset. But next time, next time, it might be different. But God didn't do that. And He didn't do it even though He knew that following through on His Word meant that He was gonna have to be separated from humanity, which He loved with all His heart and also knowing that if He followed through on His Word, it meant that His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, was going to have to die to give an opportunity to restore it. And so He is God knowing that if He follows through on this Word, it's, it will crush Him. It's, it's the pain. See, we don't understand this. We, we, we often view sin from our perspective and how it's hurt us and hurt the world, but we forget how much it hurt God. And here's God knowing, if I follow through on this, I'm gonna be separated from them and I love them unconditionally. I love them with my whole heart. They're my son. That's my daughter whom I love. And if I, if I follow through on this Word, my Son, Jesus Christ, He's gonna have to go to earth, become in human form, fully God, fully man, and die a horrible death upon the cross. And yet He still did it. He still followed through on His Word. Why? Because I tell you why, because He looked down the timeline of time and He looked into 2024. And He saw the faces of you and I sitting here today, holding on to the promise. And He said, if I don't follow through then, they won't be able to in 2024 stand upon the promise and believe that it will come past for them too. Because if He had compromised for a moment, He would have put a crack in the integrity of His Word. And the reason He didn't isn't, the reason He, he did what He did wasn't because He wanted to punish them, it's because He loved them. And He loves you and I because He said, if I compromise, you will have doubt. You can't believe that what I said will happen. And so He did it out of a heart of love to say, I don't want you to ever doubt it. I want you to know that my promise still stands because I've always been faithful. I've never compromised on my Word. And that's why a promise from God, that's why a promise from God is like nothing else. That's why a promise from God is not just wishful thinking, not just a hopeful thing, not just an optimistic outcome, but a promise from God is a sealed guarantee because He has never not followed through on His Word. And that's why 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for no matter how many promises God have made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Promise still stands. Maybe you don't have a promise.
Maybe you don't have a promise and you're trying to navigate life and your situation in your own effort and wisdom. Well, I wanna encourage you, friend, you can get a promise. Just seek Him for it. Just ask Him for it. If you seek it with an open and genuine heart, say, God, I need a promise from you. I, I want something to stand upon. I wanna, I, I pray, would you give me a rhema word? I believe He will. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer, seeking after Him. If you seek it, you will find it. But maybe you've received a promise. Maybe you've been holding on to a promise. Maybe it's something you received a long time ago and you're yet to see it come to pass. Well, I wanna pray today. And I believe that God wants to just, just revive it in your heart again. Do you know, do you know when Abraham received that promise, we said it was 25 years. Well, in year 24, from 24 years had passed, it'd been such a long time, God came to him a second time and God spoke that promise again into his heart. And he said, remember that promise I gave you 24 years ago? Well, I'm about to tell you next year, this same time, it's going to be fulfilled. And so God can revive that promise. He can speak it into your heart again. So we're gonna believe for Him to do that. Perhaps He can do that in this moment right now. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. 
If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.